Well, hello. Welcome to the Leesburg Talk Podcast. And around the table today, we've got Matthew. Hey. <laughs> and Matthew. Hey. <laughs> and Tammy. Uh, hi. And David. Hello. Uh, you might have heard two Matthews, and you are not in the Twilight Zone. We actually have two Matthews here today. In stereo. Uh, in stereo. <laughs> What's up? High and low. So, uh, uh, we've got Matthew, uh, Adamson. What's his last name? Adamson. Yeah. I had to think really hard on that one. I almost missed it. You got it, though. You got it. But I got it. I caught up. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Adamson, uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet him, well, you're just missing out. That's right. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, he yeah, hides he's, away he's every week in pediatric purgatory, generally. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm thinking he's going to work his way out. Matthew, is this <laughs> your first time on the podcast? Well, I was on one other time, and then my phone rang. It was pretty embarrassing, so it's silence this time. <laughs> <laughs> so once the phone rang, you said, I'm never going yeah, back. Never. <laughs> but here I am, so. Oh, look, it's Sammy's phone. <laughs> I timed that perfect. That was pretty funny. Perfect. Uh, uh, Matt Simpson. How are you John, today, John Welch? <laughs> John, yeah. uh, well, we just want to identify everybody today. So. Is it that bad? I think so. We have to identify yeah. everyone. I'm great, John. Thanks. I'm doing great, man. Good, wonderful, <laughs> David. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. Fantastic. I right. just want to know what David knows today. David, what do you know today? What do I know? Uh, okay. So for a long time, there's been this very nice story about Heinz Fifty Seven. You've, got, you've probably already heard it, where H.J. Uh, Hines, way back when, came up with this you know, special sauce and uh, condiment to put on French fries, and it took him 57 tries, but he never gave up, and he found the right on the 57th variety. Um, you know, It's a very inspiring story about never giving up. Unfortunately, it's totally false. It's oh, actually totally a really? myth. <laughs> H.J. Hines himself said, you know, I just thought it would be catchier if it had a number with it, and I thought 57 sounded good. <laughs> so there you go. We're ascribing meaning where there was none. Out of curiosity, do you know what year that came out? Off the top of my head, I want to say it was in the mid-50s. Like I'm wondering if 57 had anything to do with the year. It might have been. It might have been. But yeah, he just he said 57 sounded Well, I'm catchy, a fan. So. I'm I, a big fan. I go through a lot of Heinz 57 in the course of a year. Would I, you just go through Heinz if it wasn't Heinz 57? Do you think you would? No, I like yeah. the 57. <laughs> See? So he was right. It worked. He was right. <laughs> but, but you're saying something that seems foreign to me. Maybe I'm just the weirdo, but you use Heinz 57 on French fries? Yeah. Uh, I use it with everything. Yeah, you put that stuff on everything. That's Frank's, but... I thought you put Heinz 57 on well-done steak. Well, you can, and I do. But that's... Like, I've I, never use seen it like, I use it like a condiment for everything. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm about to change your role. It's great on venison, by the way. Ooh, it is, is it? excellent on venison. Ooh, Have you ever tried Ruffles and A1 sauce? I've had A1 on My everything. My goodness. Ruffles really? and A1. Have you tried it? No. Matthew. I'm going to Walmart after this. It's like a, <laughs> it's it's, awesome. it's a sodium high. Oof. Because there's a lot of sodium in yeah, day one and yeah. Like like middle school, high school days, I remember we'd we'd get a lot of guys together and we would watch uh, WWF and we uh, the snack would be ruffles and A one sauce. <laughs> and we would watch wrestling. Wrestling? Wrestling. Well at least you watch something that was real and not something that's fake like boxing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right um 
So just to clear things up, Heinz 57 came out in 1896. Oh, wow. I was way off. Wow. That's crazy. That's mind blowing. So eight years after this church was built, (laughs) (laughs) they had a delicious condiment. (laughs) Church dinners got so much better. (laughs) Which shocks me. Yeah. There you go. More than just steak. Speaking of more, today we're talking about our values as a church. More values. More values. Okay. We have the best values. Uh, uh, what? What? what do, when we talk about values, what do, what do we mean by what that? is a value? What is a value? We call them core values. Mm-hmm. Which does that have any more of an implication of anything? Well, I mean, as far as core values compared to, uh, I think so values maybe values? holds it with it the idea of just principles in general that okay. you kind of are understood. I think core values are the things that are like drive everything mm, what you're about. all the other principles maybe that you have or adhere to mm-hmm. and we have six of them here at Leesburg six. and uh, so we were going to talk about them a little bit today yeah. right yeah you know now the 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 i guess the value of core values is to kind of get a picture of what a church is about would that be fair to say yeah i think what what drives your decision process yeah um that was the goal here. We developed these quite a few years ago, and I did not come up with this on my own. This was a collective. I had a I had a core group to deciding core values, but we had a group of people, and we actually sweat over these pretty hard for a few weeks uh, because we knew that it was important to get it right because we were going to use it as a catalyst to for every decision we make with elders with you know with our deacons with our ministries that we would institute anything we were going to do we wanted this to be the thing that we rallied around so that there was a common understanding of not only who we are but what we're trying to do through whatever we're doing yeah because i think that's where sometimes institutions in general can go off the rails you lose sight of what your core values here's a great example uh, I think our Constitution of the United States was intended to be core values yeah. for our nation. But as those core values have become tossed aside or changed or altered, I think we've lost our way a little bit. I don't think anybody could argue with that. It's a very confused state now because, what well, does that core value mean this or does that core value mean that? Yeah. And that's what I wanted to try to prevent so we have like a core value uh, word or two, and then we have something that defines that so that we would not get caught up in, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that was important. You know, th- these are valuable for not only for our people to to understand and be clear on our values, but it's also beneficial. One of the, one of the uh, I guess, clearest pictures, I, I think, is – when we get phone calls about people, maybe they're going on vacation for a couple of weeks and they're going to be gone and they're going to miss church. And, and, and often they'll say, well, I want to go to church somewhere where I am. Uh, or maybe they're moving, relocating to another place. Mm-hmm. I often send people to this section of their website, you know, some church's website and say, you know, read through their value statements. You know, the mission and the vision are usually the same thing, right? Make disciples mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, but the values can, can be quite different from different churches. You know, what, What's important to this ministry? Uh, what is, what, you know, what's held to it? It can tell a lot about the the viewpoint of that ministry. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, why don't we dive in, Tammy? What's our number one value? Well, or are not, they numbered? Well, they kind of are in a, in a in a sequence a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was thought through pretty diligently as well. Um, so <clears throat> it's probably not perfect, I'm sure. But there is kind of a sequence to it. And the number one one that we adhere to is biblical authority. Uh, let, allowing, uh, you know, kind of adhering to... Since we're the independent Christian church is born out of the restoration movement, the idea is kind of along with some of the slogans and principles that came out of that movement. No book but the Bible, that no kind of thing. No creed but Christ. No creed but Christ. And so uh, if, where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where it's silent, we're silent, that kind of thing. So we felt like it was important that if we were going to be the church that honored the groom, Christ, since we're the bride, that we needed to have biblical authority as the main source of all the decisions that we make. So that's where that kind of comes from. So, uh, so let's dive into. But that. there's a lot of controversy about that. Yeah, as yeah. you might well, well so be aware of. Let's let's dive into that a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, practically speaking, guys, when we say biblical authority, what what do we mean by that? As far as our ministry goes. What 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 would you assume is our attitude toward the scriptures? They're the final say. The final say. You know what I mean? Like every decision, like Sam was saying, it's based on biblical principles and stuff. Mm-hmm. To where what we're teaching is centered around truth in the Bible. Yeah. Well, maybe what we ought to do, maybe this would help do some clarification. What would be an example, John, that you would think of where a church could make a decision that wasn't under biblical authority? Uh, well, I mean, a, a church make a decision that wasn't under biblical authority. Mm-hmm. That that was not driven by biblical authority? Yeah. Like what, a bad decision? Yeah. What could, I mean, well, there's thousands of sure, them. But. Sure. I mean, one of the big things in our culture right now is the idea of, uh, of gay marriage, for mm-hmm. example. So, uh, so, Many churches, and we're seeing that more and more, many churches are becoming uh, comfortable or endorsing uh, uh, same-sex marriage. Um, our st- stance would be that the, the Bible speaks very clearly about what marriage is. Marriage is a, a covenant relationship that God initiates uh, or, or that, that God is a part of. It's a covenant between a man and a woman and each of them individually and couples, a covenant with, with the Lord. And so, uh, so Leesburg would take a stance against uh, 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 same-sex marriage, and that's not because we're conservative or liberal. That's right. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. That's because the we have biblical authority. Right. There, we have a standard by which we make decisions, and it's not ours, and it's not theirs. It's his. Yeah. And I think that's an important aspect of it. If I could give a an analogy from, you know, youth family ministry kind of stuff. Um, even beyond just, you know, making sure that we're teaching the right and wrong things. When it comes to kids ministry and teens ministry, uh, you see this a lot in, in churches where, you know, it's just about, hey, let's just get them in here. So let's have fun. You know, we, we could have a huge crowd of kids come in here if we just played games, if we just had Sure. You know, shot out T-shirts out of a cane, and you know we we could I'd do <laughs> we could do that, but because biblical authority, uh, because it's we do believe that it's a better way to live. You know, 
everything that we do, you know, we we have fun. We do some things like that, but it's based around we we got to teach them something that matters. You know what I mean? Have the Bible be an, a central part of what it is that we do. The same way with over in um in the kids world. We could treat that like a babysitting service where we just have them, you know, play Jenga or um just color pictures or or whatever, but but we've worked really hard to incorporate like no, it's we have this opportunity. The Bible is a better way to live. Let's take advantage of of being able to to use the time that we have to to share that. You know, David said something important there that we ought to take note of because while we have the Bible as the number one um, core value that we kind of, he also added the sub underneath of that, which is a better way to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so important to communicate because the Bible is perceived a lot of times as being restrictive However, it's the most freeing way right. in terms of consequence for bad decisions that a person can live. And so that was in very intentional to add that to our number one core value. So, so there are some things that are very clear through uh, Bible reading that that should be driving our, our life. Like you're talking about, David, you know, these are it's a it's a formative document. Right. And so we need to take the opportunity to 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 lean into that. Uh, but there are some things that the Bible doesn't address. Uh, so, for example, where 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 I would go to college, for example, well, the Bible's not going to say, "Well, John, you should go to UK or you should go to KCC," or you. <laughs> Bible's not going to give us that. So, what do we look for when it, when we're talking about um, biblical authority? What do we look for? Is, well, when, is it prescriptive and when's it? Descriptive? You you would also know though by deduction from Bible being your authority that you shouldn't go to stripper school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there are some vocations. There are some vocations. Well, if yeah. there is such a thing. I don't know if there, there is. There are but. some vo vocations that would be eliminated by deduction because the Bible is your authority. Yeah. You wouldn't be involved in um, activity that undermines anything other than honesty and integrity. And, you know, you wouldn't right. want to, you know, I, believe it or not, there's a big big thing now with gambling is a big issue, big issue. And it is here in the state of Kentucky. We're in horse country and there are people I've actually seen it twice in this past week. It was kind of weird where, uh, there were two celebrities that were in the news that their spouses who were men were professional gamblers. This is becoming, you know, so, I mean, at some point you've got to decide, okay, I'm not trying to be judgmental of, if you want to, you know, place a $2 bet or whatever, I spend more on that on movies, but I'm just saying what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that I think that at some point, is it a God glorifying vocation that you can you pursue the kingdom work through whatever it is that you're going to do? And there's hundreds and hundreds of places to go with that. But there's also hundreds and hundreds of places to stay away from for, for that too, that are not maybe as advancing of, of God's will, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So you got to be careful about that, you know. But let me give you a good example. Maddie plays here and is our worship leader. He also plays in secular venues as well. But when Maddie first came here several years ago, we had a big heart to heart conversation. And his goal was to, and as is mine, is to use that as a catalyst to not be a, a contributor to the world's problems, but to be a light 
for people who are in that place. I mean, we are to go as the church. And so his aim was to go and, and to try to make a difference wherever he could in that, in that realm. And that, that can be a God glorifying thing. However, if he wasn't going as a representative of Christ, then you got a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The way I look at it is often we've got the Bible and and there's two vague categories that you can put the Bible in um, as far as its contents. There are things that are prescriptive, like think things you do, like things that the Bible tells us to, to do. And, but a lot of it, maybe more so, is descriptive, describing the type of person you are. Character type In the, in the New Testament, yeah. yeah. Screams of virtue and character and integrity. And, and, and that's what we find in the, in the Bible when we lean into the prescriptive and the descriptive qualities of that text. We find a, a better way to live. Now, it's a little bit of, I'm going to go ahead and move on this. Yeah. Uh, we have Jesus as the second core value, which I have actually had criticism for. Jesus should be number one. Here's the issue with that, though. If we didn't have the Bible in central Kentucky, we would not know who Jesus is. That's right. So yeah. the reason we know who Jesus is is because of biblical authority. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's not an order of importance. It's it's kind of a sequence of how we come to know Jesus through the Word of God. That's right. That's how we come to know him. And this isn't a list of things we worship either. We don't no, no, worship no, no, no. the Bible. The, yeah, right? that's right. Um, yeah. But but that's why, you know, the Bible is our authority and principle, which leads us to a relationship with Jesus because of the information that's contained in God's yeah. Word. Yeah. Um, and that's important because we talk about that is our connection to God. Now, the reason that I was motivated to put that as a forefront core value of our six core values was because at the time that we were deciding this, it was becoming very popular several years ago that all paths lead to God. Mm. And I wanted it to be very descriptive that Leesburg Christian Church recognizes because of biblical authority, there's only one way to God. Yeah. And Jesus said it himself. I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. Yeah. So because of that, the connection to God through Jesus, that has to be a focal point of everything we prescribe in yeah. terms of services, um, worship, music, youth, children. It all has to point to him, just like the whole Bible points yeah. to him. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Fantastic. I don't know if anything else we could say about that one. Yeah, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Yeah, pretty. But we do live in a culture, and I would just warn by listening, be very, very careful of people who talk about paths leading to God. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing that the criticism that always comes from this is that are you saying that Christianity is exclusive? To which I would take the opposite stance and say, no, it's all inclusive because anybody can come to Jesus. He didn't say only so and so can come to Jesus if you do this or if you do that. Anybody can come. Yeah. Whereas other religions of the world will not go there. Yeah, that's right. So it's all inclusive, not exclusive. It's all inclusive. Yeah. All you got to do is recognize it and, and, you know, say I'm in. Yeah, I mean the the the, the a push against that today is the the highlighting or the the uh, glorification of of a moral lifestyle or a just lifestyle. Justice is a key word right now. Mm -hmm. So so we need to live you know just and we need to live uh, with grace and mercy and all that stuff. The problem with that is you can live a good lifestyle, a moral lifestyle. You can be a good person 
and, and not be connected with the mm-hmm. Father. You know, mm-hmm. that's why the importance of Jesus. The third core value, so we have biblical authority that leads us to know Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And that leads us to community because Christ instituted the church, which we claim to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. We talked so a lot about that this weekend. We did. This past weekend. We did. And if you all were to describe community, how would you all describe that in Christ? Well, I would, uh, I, I would say community is to be known uh, and to know others. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church offers. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say the simplest definition I could come up with is just when you do the people you do life with mm-hmm. and, and not just on a surface level. But yeah, you know, intentional, like yeah. intentional life. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you know, and and that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, Sammy. The, the message this past weekend, you were talking, you spoke heavily about community mm-hmm. and being a part of the church. Um, and, and one of the big pushbacks that I often hear about uh, Christianity or about against the church is, is this idea of why well, can be a Christian and not be a part of a church, mm-hmm. right? You've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, uh, we're not saying community is. Uh, the end all. The end all. <laughs> but what we are saying is incredibly important. And, all and I know that, is that everybody who tries to do it by themselves has very, very little success. Yeah. Very. I mean, I, I honestly can, I, I don't ever want to say no success because maybe there is somebody out there that can do it. I just don't know anybody. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that has to be measured against the fruits that are developed. And so, uh, okay, if you're going to do it, you know, Christianity and your Christian life on an island by yourself, are there any fruits that are present, mm-hmm. you know, articulable uh, in, in your life? Um, uh, community. Uh, and what's the, the catchphrase there? It's linking arms. Linking arms. Which is symbolic of just joining and doing, as David said, doing life with, with other people, daily life. And, you know, that I think that's important. And we talk about, and I was emphasizing that this week one of the goals under community linking arms with doing with other people is being honest and real and transparent and dealing with our struggles together not using i grew up and you all have too with a church being very um uh artificial in terms of community we would say that we were all part of this church but we did not say we're part of their lives. Yeah. And there's a there's a difference. And I think we've made an an icon or an idol out of church, whereas church actually is is maybe a different it's not an assembly. We assemble so that we can do life together. That's yeah. the point I was trying to make yeah. this weekend. You know, I think you know, looking back at the previous values there, it kind of goes hand in hand with community. You can say, well, community is not important. I don't have to be known and be in in close relationship with other people. Well, that's interesting because Jesus did that. Even on a grand level, uh, the incarnation, you know, God making his presence dwell among us mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus. Uh, I mean, on a theological level, that's got huge impacts. And of course, we know that because of, of Scripture and mm-hmm. not only what we have recorded in Scripture looking back at the life of Jesus, but also um, uh, in the Old Testament looking forward to coming. Yeah, it was God's desire to be known yeah. and to know. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Which leads to the fourth one, which is has to do with service. 
And this is the one people go, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, done my time. Yeah, I've got right. my top three, so we're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like they treat it like the they uh, maybe like the Ten Commandments. Well, I've kept four. Forty percent. I haven't killed anyone. Yeah, yeah. If I did forty percent in Major League Baseball, being a Hall of Fame, right? That's right. Four out of ten times <laughs> at the plate, got a hit. So anyway, um, yeah. Service is it's kind of is a natural progression of this. Once you have community, then you do. What are you doing together? Well, you're you're utilizing and pooling what the resources that God is giving you. I'm not just talking about financial. I'm talking about your talents, your abilities, your what your effort what you can bring, your energy that you can bring to the table to make a difference. I mean, Jesus modeled that with the 12 and then with, you know, later with 120 and then the church and now it engulfs the world. So, you know, service is part, I think, is one of God's gifts to us, really. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it as a chore to be done. Mm -hmm. I look at it as a gift to be received because whenever you are utilizing what God has given you to do, there is a fulfillment. Yeah. It kind of goes along that lines. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So when you when you can, and I think we're all innately, we want to do something to show our feelings. Like if we are in love with our spouses or whomever, um, we want to demonstrate that. We want to show that we love them by doing whatever we can. It's just a natural way. And so this is part of the gift that I think God gave us to express our appreciation and love for what he did for us. And there are a multitude of ways of service of what that means. Oh, I yeah. mean, so so we can think. Uh, I don't know if this is the right word. Program wise, there's awesome opportunity uh, in various different areas to serve here within the the church and the, our ministry as a whole. Uh, probably one of the more clearly seen ones is in the family ministry. Mm-hmm. David, talk to us about that. Yeah, it takes about a hundred people um, a month to be able to do what we do in the amount of services that we have and being able to provide programming for kids. And like I said, not just as a babysitting service, but to, to be able to build a foundation that parents can continue to grow their kids. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge need. And what we've done here is to make everything as, as plug and play as possible. You know, you don't have to be in the past, you know, you'd, you'd only see a, a couple of people who would serve because they were gifted teachers or they had a ton of biblical knowledge and understanding and, and, experience, uh, yeah. and experience with, with doing that. Um, and really what we've set up to be able to do is just for anybody who's willing to, uh, to show love to kids and families to be able to uh, provide an atmosphere that's safe, um, and the teaching part is very straightforward, easy. Um, so yeah, that's that's a huge a huge need that we always have um, in uh, in being able to do that. So so there are organized areas like in family ministry where you can serve, but there's another element of service that has nothing to do with what's organized for you, mm-hmm. but it's just a posture of life, right? Now one of the tendencies we have is we say, well. Uh, I serve by, you know, just being a good neighbor to my, my people. And, you know, and often we'll use that as a, you know, I, I think we need to serve. I think service implies service inside the church, inside the assembly, but also outside in the community. Yeah, right? it's an attitude. It, it's an attitude. It's it, it's both. It's not one or the other. It's, mm-hmm. it's both. It's who you are. 
a person of service. I mean, if we come in here and we talk about loving people and everybody, you know, is on board with that, and then we go out here and there's somebody right next to us or lives close to us that falls down on a sidewalk and we look at them and we walk into our house. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure we've got it. Yeah. You know, so service is a mentality. It's a posture that you keep yourself in mentally moving forward. And we want everybody to have an opportunity to use though the gifts. I mean, I think people have been guilty in the past of doing one of two things. They either think they don't have any gifts or ability so they disqualify themselves and they do that because they look to the platform and they see very talented people maybe in some cases not mine but in the music department particularly and they go i don't think i could ever do that which may be the case which however you, you might not yeah. those people on a platform wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for the four people in our tech booth exactly who never say a word or sing a word and the tech booth wouldn't be able to happen if somebody didn't have the gift of being able to give money so that we can have a tech booth. So there's all these things are in, I'm trying what I'm trying to say they're all interdependent which makes up the body of Christ. Everybody has a contribution to make to make it work the way Christ intended it to work. And you can't devalue one or the other. And we could get into scripture on that. Again, yeah. biblical authority, you know, the eye saying I'm not this and the ear saying I'm not that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes the whole body working together. And we work together. And then our, our, our next uh, value there is our environment. Yeah. Why would our environment be a part of our values? Well, when you're working together to draw people to Christ, then you want to eliminate anything or barrier or obstacle that might be hindering to that goal. Yeah. So, you know, we look at the Bible as holding our authority, which leads us to a relationship with Jesus, which naturally results in community of doing life with other people. And then we have, we serve together because we want to express our appreciation. But we also, if we don't have, you can, you can take good things and put them in bad environments. Mm. You've done this at home, all of you have, where you take something that requires refrigeration and you don't refrigerate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a simple illustration. But I think a lot of times, uh, somebody told me this 30 years ago, and I don't know why it stuck with me. He said, God is not in the business of putting healthy newborn babes in Christ in contaminated incubators. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, people want to know why they're they're preaching the word, they're doing good things, uh, it's it's on the external, but they're not, but nobody's coming to Christ, nobody's the church isn't growing. Well, why is that? Well, maybe God doesn't want to put healthy babies in bad environments. Yeah. So we have to, we have to be able to be a catalyst for a good environment, and that not, that's not just talking about air conditioning and heat. That's talking about again. It's it's a it's a character type thing. It's an attitude type thing. It's a mentality. It's it's a, it's a teacher in the youth department not smacking kids on the hands <laughs> because they reach over and touch their yeah. neighbor. You know whatever. Mm-hmm. You know it's an attitude, yeah. and and that that goes from our leadership all the way down. And that's very critically important creating that environment and eliminating again the obstacles and barriers that we set up sometimes that gets in the way. I'm excited about our environment right now. Uh, we got something really cool we, on the horizon. We're working on right now in, in the back of the parking lot. We're putting together the Family Life Center. Uh, concrete started to pour that week. It's going to be finished this week. 
Doors will be going on by the end of the month. Uh, it won't be too long until until we are in that facility. And the whole uh, thrust behind that project is to create, largely is to create an environment for our next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew, talk to us about, um, uh, have you thought a lot about uh, <laughs> this this building and the, the opportunities that could happen inside? He's going to buy everybody roller skates. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. No helmets or pads. Um, no, I'm really excited for it. Um, basically, it's an opportunity to, one of the big things that I did growing up was basketball. Mm-hmm. And that community that I had there kind of, it was also a homeschool league, so we were all Christians, but that community built in that space, I won't forget. I'm not saying we want to have a basketball team up there. Hint, hint, I would love that, but I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but for the youth, that's more space for them to build that community mm-hmm. in whatever form we can figure out that works best in that building. And I'm excited for In a space where we aren't handcuffed because yeah, it belongs right. to a secular yeah. organization. We can we do what we want. say the other things we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Also, we can throw balls in that building, and there's not 200 year old yeah. thing glass. <laughs> That's hey! <laughs> and you know, be able to like throw. Well, I'm gonna be careful. Yeah. I don't so, want to get too messy, but it you know it'll be a it'll be a space where we don't have to you know be concerned about yeah. tearing stuff up so much. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be you know my, my first experiences with the Christian church when I was in middle school mm-hmm. was playing basketball. Yeah, and it was just a junky old basketball hoop behind. Uh, the office building yep. at a church, and 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 that, that's you remember it. Catalyst for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're excited about that building. You're welcome, by the way, because I was a part of putting that junky old hoop behind <laughs> that you. office. And you know what? It made you're welcome. Impact. You're welcome. Because look, I'm here now. Huh? Okay, welcome, I made a Sammy. mistake. <laughs> Sammy, not everything guessing. works out exactly how you plan it. But He's anyway. like we. We thought about doing a soccer field, and we should have done it. <laughs> John would not be sitting here today. That's right. I just, still look. I have been to so many. I used to be in youth ministry, so I've been to so many soccer mm-hmm. games. I can't tell you how many soccer games I've been to. I can't tell you the amount of students and parents who have sat down and tried to teach me the rules of soccer. <laughs> it ain't uh, happening. I still don't don't understand what they're doing. That's like it's, anyway. And, you know, part of making this environment is, again, back to an attitude. You know, we we as a church, as all institutions do locally, we, we receive criticism, okay? And we're going to continue to do that. You know, I I preach in jeans more, more frequently. And it's not because I'm trying to advertise jeans. It's just that my, lev- my level of comfortability of, of that is just in a neutral zone of where I don't want – I grew up in a place where if you didn't dress up because Jesus was so important, you had to wear your best for Jesus, which I don't know. I always wondered where that biblical principle came from. But anyway, um, that if you didn't do that, then you were slacking. And I think it kept a lot of people away. I'm not saying that we ought to be immodest or wear rags to church. Don't judge me today, but um, I'm just saying that there's a balance there of what you're emphasizing as most important. We don't have um, elaborate uh, decor in our new worship center. That was very, very intentional. There aren't chandeliers. There aren't, you know, there's not stained hardwood on the stage. There's not big podiums and chairs that are ornamented. 
because those things can get really idolized quickly. Mm. Those yeah. types of things. And then you can't ever move them. You can't change them. Well, that goes against everything that I think Jesus had in mind when he was thinking about community and, and, and the church of the first century. So we try to do, we try to take our resources and make it as experiential as we can, but also so that they can hear the message without obstacle, I guess is what I'm getting at. What's that country song, or Christ the Country song about Sunday? Guy walks in, his cowboy hat, and young fella walks up to me and says, "Fella, you can't wear that in here." And so I just turned around and walked out. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh man, it's <laughs> you. You know it if you heard it. Yeah, it had but to be the, it. the the whole The whole attitude of it was, uh, uh, he says, "You know, these people. They were the people at the bar the night before I played my show, and they were out there saying, you know, mm-hmm. you know, playing, yelling, yeah, singing again, and." Uh, but but I walk in with my jeans and my cowboy and I'm not accepted and you know uh, Lord I just don't think that's right and that's the posture of the song that's kind of our posture as well we don't want you to feel like you have to dress up and be somebody you're not simply come as you are uh, uh, that's kind of one of the things we you know come as you are we don't want you to stay that way you know <laughs> but, yeah. but come as you are I mean I think we I think if you come onto our campus for anything the whole goal of our ministry here is to point people to Jesus. Uh, so basically what excellent atmosphere means to me is that we're, we just don't want to distract from that. We're going to do everything we possibly can to point people to Jesus. Uh, and sometimes we don't get that a hundred percent right, but we, we constantly try. That's the attitude that Sammy's talking about, but uh, just trying to point people to Jesus whenever they're on our campus, whenever they're at the hub, when, but most importantly outside, like we hope that we hope that our people here get, that that doesn't stop here at Leesburg, mm-hmm. the building. Mm-hmm. It's It goes outside of that during the week, and then we come back here and get refueled, and we go out and do it again. Absolutely. Which kind of leads to the last one, which is talking about sharing. Now, I got to tell you, when we first came up with that idea, because the sub underneath that says come and see, that we had a lot of debate over that because we know the Great Commission tells us to go, and yet we're saying sharing, come and see. But the the implication that I've I've tried to address in the past when I've taught the core values is that you go, but ultimately if you don't have the knowledge or the biblical ability because you're maybe young in Christ or maybe you just haven't been taught and you don't have the answers to a lot of questions, what you try to do is just is to get an invite for people to come and and see and test the waters for themselves, which is why we have to do all the things above that better. We have to do the environment. We have to do the community. We have to do all that well so that when they do come and see, they're coming and seeing an experience that they can't get out in, in, in the world. So what we did, we used that because we wanted to take the pressure off people of, you know, sometimes going can be a little bit threatening, you know, where right. you, you, I've got to go preach to people. Well, mm-hmm. not necessarily share your story and then say, well, just why don't you come and hang out and see if it can help you d- do life better. Like it's helped me yeah. the whole church experience, you know? And I, and so that's where the whole sharing idea that was one of the first uh, evangelistic things that we see in, in the Gospels uh, with Jesus' early disciples. It is. Um, I said, hey, come come and see uh, yeah. the Messiah. We've, we've met right. him. Come and see him. And, and the interesting thing is come and see is go and tell. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, it's just a simple way of, of getting that started. 
You know, mm-hmm. you can't have come and see without somebody going, going to tell. tell. That's you're right. That's a good way to put it, Matty. I'll write that down. <laughs> History is made. Right Where were you when we made that decision? Fifteen. Years. I don't know. <laughs> you were going and telling. Well, guys, uh, that kind of wraps up our core values. <laughs> Anybody else got anything good and interesting? <laughs> that might be it for today. <laughs> uh, you know what? Listen, uh, hey, uh, thank you, listener, for tuning in today as we talk through our core values. Check in next week as we talk about something else. Um, uh, remember to mark your calendars for January 30th or 31st weekend. Uh, uh, that's our congregational meeting where we uh, talk mo- much more about our vision for 2021. Uh, God bless. Take care. See you next week. Adios. Adios. Bye. Peace. Bye.